Hello, this is Gihan Ferreira, and welcome to another issue of Focal Point. And I've got with me, as usual, Chris Budney. Hi, Chris. G'day, Gihan. How are you going? I'm going very well. I'm happy, as usual. Yourself? I'm also happy. Happy to hear you're happy, too. Good. We were looking at an article that came out, I think, in the Sydney Morning Herald about Google, um, about Google and privacy, and that's going to be the topic of our conversation today in our podcast. I guess I should start by saying that Google has a, has a policy as part of its corporate slogan, is do no evil. And I'm sure you've heard about that, Chris. I certainly have, yes. Uh, and it's interesting because they, they have that as their corporate philosophy, but maybe because they're now so big and have access to so much information, some of the things that are happening can be construed as evil, whether it's on Google's part or just on other people's part. That's right. And so because Google is so such a big company and has access to such a broad range of information, we place a lot of trust in them that the, what they do with that information about uh, the searches we conduct and so forth, that, um, that you know, they don't do nefarious things with it, that uh, they protect our interests. We, we have to make a leap of faith. That's right. I remember having a conversation with uh, actually a mutual friend of ours, Chris, Kathleen Franklin, mm-hmm. some years ago. Kathleen's got a background in molecular biology. And I was asking her about DNA testing and keeping DNA databases and the, not so much the legalities of it, but the, some of the issues that arise and privacy around that. And she made the point that, yes, you can, once you start storing DNA, that's fine if it's used for that purpose, but who knows how people are going to use it in the future. And I think that's one of the, that's a similar sort of issue to Google saying, well, I know everything about you. Um, and we might say, well, that's okay now, but how are you going to use it in the future? That's right. Indeed, we, they may well say, um, do no evil, but that might change in the future. We haven't, there are no guarantees of it, are there? And there's also the issue that they may well do no evil, but they might make mistakes, un- unintentional mistakes. We had the issue earlier, I think it was late last year, where AOL uh, released a whole lot of information about searches that their members had conducted through the AOL search engine. They'd gone to efforts to anonymise that data, but as it turned out, that was insufficient, wasn't it? It was People often search for their own names, for instance, and then you could tie that anonymised search for someone's own name with other searches uh, uh, that that, that, that uh, anonymous ID had conducted and, and tie those two bits of information together. So that was that was clumsy on AOL's part, they, that they had gone to the effort, they thought, to anonymise that. And so again, with Google, they, they might not intentionally do something evil, but they might trip up and, and, uh, and so that's another issue that you need to consider as well. That's right, and, and I guess the third area is the one that we were talking about briefly before we went on air, which is the issue of other people getting access to Google's data and completely openly and publicly accessible information, which you may not realise is available to anybody even when they know how to find it. That's right, so that's the issue of, um, yeah, because Google has such good coverage these days of, of the internet, things like... Um, you know, activity that you might conduct in, in forums or in blogs or if you have a MySpace page or some other web page, all of that information is indexed by search engines such as Google and so if people want to find out what uh, Chris Putney or Gihan Pereira have been up to, they need only go to Google, type in our names and uh, goodness knows what they might find out. Yes, that's right. So yes, if, 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 uh, if you're it's worth considering that whatever you do on the internet um, is something that you're doing in public and, and if it's something you'd rather not do in public, perhaps you ought to use, say, uh, an assumed name like Ian e. 
when you're doing it. <laughs> well, um, and, and I should emphasize that this is not about Google bashing at all. We both love Google. It's just about some of the things that you may not realize are available, are accessible about you um, just because tools like Google and MySpace, which is completely different, have access to um, your information. Other people have access to getting it, getting it as well. So let's talk about the story from the Sydney Morning Herald, Chris. Yeah. That was uh, this new feature they've, they've come up with called Web History, which if you have the Google toolbar installed on your, um, on your browser, uh, then it, it will keep track of every single web page that you visit. And therefore, you've got a very useful tool, if you wanted, to um, say, you know, what was that web page that I visited last week that was uh, on so-and-so? And you can just visit uh, your web history this is also coupled with having an account with Google, so you need two things, the Google toolbar on your browser and an account with Google. You need to be logged in. And uh, then, yes, it'll, it'll create a log of all the web pages that you've visited, and uh, if, if you want to recall where you've been, uh, then, then that's easily done. Which also fine. No problems there, no privacy problems there, except, except that Google keeps a track of all those web pages as well. And that's where right. the issue arises, isn't it? That's right, yeah. If, if you don't want that uh, history held by a third party, um, then, then you, certainly don't, you certainly want to be aware that it's going on and disable it uh, if you have the Google toolbar and a Google account. And in my case, I have both of those things. I do have a, an account with Google. I do have the Google toolbar, and I have disabled uh, the web history function. Um, I'm not, you know, it's not that I don't trust Google's do no evil philosophy, but I'm not sure that that's going to persist forever and they might make a mistake, an unintentional mistake with that, mm -hmm. and my information might, uh, you know, might get out of Google's secure service. That's right, and I guess the other thing to point out is that turning that on is something you have to do. It's not turned on by default. That's You've right. actually got to enable it. So they're, they're not doing things behind your back at that's this right. stage. They've been completely open about it and saying, here's a new feature. If you'd like to use it, turn it on. Exactly, as they, they said, it's an, it's an opt-in service. Yes, and look, I can understand from their point of view, it makes a lot of sense, both for, for them and for the users who use it, because if they know what web pages you're visiting and they use that to determine what sort of person you are and what you're interested in, then when you search Google and it shows ads, it can show you the ads that are relevant to the sort of interest that you have, which actually makes things better for you if you're looking to buy something and you'd like to see ads. That's right. So that's what that's what's in it for, for Google, isn't it? That uh, that provides them with uh, an ability to better target their advertising, and so that's that's their gain, and it's also a gain for you, as you say, if you're um, if you're looking to purchase something, uh, as well as the functionality of a web history. Yes, that's right. And the web history, I mean, they could keep that as a free service, which doesn't go back to them, but by actually storing all the data about you they can actually make your search results more relevant, which makes your life easier, mm. theoretically. Yes. You know, if you search for Java, then maybe Google will one day know whether you're talking about a programming language, a cup of coffee, or an island in Indonesia. Exactly. And that's the idea, I guess. And I guess that's the way that Google's promoting it, as, as a way of saying, look, you give us this information about you, and we'll help you by giving you more relevant results. Yeah. So... That's, that's the privacy issue, and you already talked about AOL unintentionally giving away 
um, of disclosing users' confidential information, and that can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about the idea, or we talked earlier about the idea of recruiters, Chris. Do you want to talk about that again? That's right. So on a, on a techie website that I read occasionally called Slashdot, there was an article about um, recruitment agencies in doing some background information gathering on potential candidates would just use something like Google to find out about uh, potential candidates. So what have they been doing? Do they have a blog? You know, what are they writing about in their blogs? Um, do they participate in any online forums? What have they been saying there? Do they have a, a personal MySpace page or, or some other web page? And just, you know, so, so if they've got the person's name, they can if they can do a search for that person and um, gather some information about them. So it's worth being aware that if you're conducting online activities, that quite often the activities that you're conducting in public, so to speak. Yeah, that's right. And I think the, the other really important thing that goes along with that is that you might be thinking that, well, I've got my business or my work-related activities here, and then I've got a private MySpace account, or I've got some hobbies that I'm interested in, so I take part in online, online you know, cricket discussion forums or something like that. Mm. And you might think those two are separate, but actually, when people search on Google, um, they can get access to both, and they build up a profile of you simply by doing a, a straightforward search. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's that, that people might consider that to be a bit unethical, but um, you know, it's just it's just something to be to be aware of that that people can do those kinds of searches, and that if you feel that uh, you, you don't want that kind of information to be. Um, find out about you, then you need to be perhaps assuming a name. Yes, and um, I think sometimes people have a lull in the falseness of security because they just assume that what they're doing is so obscure or, for example, they might set up a private website which they only show to their friends Hmm. and they only give it out to a few friends and they give out that web address. They don't have a password on it, but because only their friends know about it, nobody else can get access to it, or so they think. Yes. But there are a couple of technical ways. For example, if a virus attacks one of their friends' computers, it can then get access to web addresses in there in yep. that are stored in email. Yes. Or if a friend goes to the website and then they go to another website directly afterward, that second website has in their log file the address that they came from. Indeed. Or if their friend has Google's web history enabled, yes. then uh, that uh, URL will be on a on a Google server and they may choose to use those websites, or I expect they would, then go and index that website. Yes, that's right. Yes, you're exactly right. Google would go ahead and do that, wouldn't it? Mm. And it would have no, there would be no block to it because it's not password protected, it's just hidden by the fact that nobody knows about it. Yeah, security through obscurity. Obscurity, that's right. Yeah, that's a nice phrase, security through obscurity. So I guess I guess what he's saying is nowadays you just got to be more careful about what you do online hmm. and uh, who you do it with. Yeah, and, and, and in a way, it's it's even more um, what's the word? It's more accessible than something you might doing doing in public. You know, there are some things you wouldn't do in public because a few people might see you, but there are some things that you would do online that anyone in the world can find out about. So it's perhaps got even broader ramifications than something that you do offline in public, so to speak. It has. It's, it's certainly got wider implications, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, that can be good and bad. And, uh, you know, there used to be a saying of talking about the fire, taking arguments with the media, that uh, there used to be a saying that said, ne- 
to argue with somebody who buys ink by the barrel. And um, nowadays, that's no longer true. Yeah. Uh, as an individual, you can you can have a lot of class on the internet because of the connections and the networks that are available now, and that can work for you, but unintentionally it can also work against you. Yeah. And maybe we should have that as a topic for another discussion, Chris, about how to get a, get visible on the internet um, and in a, in a way that wasn't ever available before. Yeah. Uh, but certainly from a, from an individual point of view, it can also work, it can definitely work against you. Mm. I remember many years ago, before I started my business, when I was still working in software, I was looking for jobs in San Francisco. You may remember this, Chris. It was uh-huh. about 1996 or so. Most people didn't know much about the internet, but um, you, know, you and I had, because of our academic backgrounds, we'd used it for a few years at that time. And I was looking on internet job forums for jobs in San Francisco. And there were posters there, and there were lots of them there. And I remember one that somebody had replied to with their resume. But unfortunately, you can probably guess where this is going. Mm -hmm. Instead of replying only to the employer, he replied to the entire forum. Uh So everybody knew that this guy was looking for a job and was unhappy with his current employer and was looking for a job elsewhere. And uh, ironically, the last line of his application letter said, I'd appreciate if you could keep this confidential. <laughs> right. But um, that's the sort of thing that can happen. Yeah, right? just to slip up. Just to slip up. Mm. It's just a reply to the forum instead of reply to the employer or sending an email to the wrong person. I've seen that happen. I've done that once or twice. Unfortunately, it's never been anything that's been sensitive in any way. Um, but that's another thing to be careful of. You just press one button and instantly an email reply could go to 20 people and not mm. the right ones. Yeah. Yes, I'm sure most people have received one or two of those. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. With email and with SMS and with other with other technology now that we just assume that we can do it so fast that sometimes we do it without thinking. Yeah. So what would you recommend, Chris, in terms of people looking after their privacy a little bit more? Just to be a little bit vigilant, just to think about, um, you know, the issues of... What you're doing on the internet is essentially uh, it's a, a public medium. So just think about, is this the sort of thing that um, I would engage in in public? Because really it is a public forum. And something we haven't really talked about um, a great deal so far, but when you're setting up accounts, you, you need to provide certain details. You can provide as little information, or you can even, in some cases, depending upon the context, not provide uh, accurate information, just uh, initials or something like that, mm-hmm. as far as your name's concerned. So just uh, provide minimal and as anonymous information as, as is possible, depending on the context. So that's a really good principle, that you, you provide as much as they require to do their job and no more. Mm. And I think that's the way to do it. And I get really, really annoyed with websites that sell you stuff, that want to sell you stuff, and you want to buy, but you have to sign up as a member before you can buy. Yeah. And sometimes you have to sign up as a member before you can even find out what postage costs and things are because they have to know what country you're from. Yeah. And I think that's just like going into a shop and saying you'd like to buy something, but then they give you a third degree to find out all about you before they even tell you the prices. It's a real turn-off, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. It can't improve your sales at all. Yes. Yes, and I guess from the consumer's point of view, or from the user's point of view, the principle that you just mentioned of give as little as you have to give 
is, is a really good one because then you're protecting your privacy by just not giving it out to um, many people except those who absolutely require it. Yeah. Remembering also that many of these websites now, even though they may be based in countries which have strong privacy policies, their databases may be, they may be outsourcing a lot of their work to other places, mm -hmm. which may not have such strong privacy policies in place. And as you say, unintentionally, that information can leak. Yeah. And we're always hearing about information being stolen and, uh, and abused. So, um, you know, in spite of the best intentions of the company, that, that, that information can be at risk. That's right. And, you know, I always laugh when I hear about people talking about security on the internet and most of the focus on the idea is have you got a secure server? In other words, is the information going from your web browser to the company's website secure? Mm. But that's not where most of the leaks happen. Most of it happens by somebody hacking into the information on the company's web server or, as in the AOL case, it's just being released but unintentionally disclosed wrongly. Yep. So whether or not you have a secure server makes no difference. Mm. It's really the information is stored in a computer somewhere. Yeah, that's right. Um, and even worse, on a backup disk somewhere. Exactly. Deleted yep. off the server. So I think that, that principle is a really important one. And I guess the follow-on from that one is just weigh up the balance between them asking you for more information, which could make your life easier and could make could actually help you, versus whether you'd like to give out that information because it could cause complications and privacy implications for you. That's right. So... Um in the case of web history, I sort of exercised the more prudent option, which was if I need a web history, then my, my browser provides that mm -hmm. service. I'm happy with uh, the way that Google serves that to me uh, without it needing additional information from my my browsing history. So I just opted to, uh, to um, disable that functionality. Yes, good, good. Uh, what else do you think? For me, the overriding one, Chris, is just to say, think first. Mm -hmm. Think anytime you're filling in a form online and you see options, just check what the options are. And many forms will have boxes automatically ticked saying, yeah. we're going to send you information unless you untick this box. Well, I think it should be the other way around, but Indeed. still, there are many people who have the opt-out rather than opt-in, to use the term that you used earlier. Yeah. Um, but it's just, just think, like read, read what you're signing up for. And it's so easy on the internet, and just using technology in general, just to say, yes, I agree to everything. Um, but if you don't read it, well, you take some responsibility for what happens afterwards. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I, I think if you just start off with that principle of think first and think about the implications of what you're doing, not only now, but also for the future, then you'll prevent, I can't say you'll eliminate, but certainly prevent a lot of the privacy issues that happen. I guess the other thing, and we'll talk about this in another podcast, Chris, is the, the, just a strong link between security and privacy. And I've mentioned already viruses taking over your computer and releasing confidential information. Well, that's a privacy issue, but it could have been prevented if you had the right sort of security in place. Indeed, that's a, that's a big problem, isn't it, really? Is that security, in, there, are, there are many different faces to security breaches, one of which is the privacy issue we've been discussing now, and then there are all the other issues like security, uh, data loss and, and corruption and so forth as well. That's right, that's right, and we can talk about that in another issue. Mm. So we're coming up to the end of our, uh, our time today, Chris. Any last comments that you'd like to make about, secure, uh, about privacy in particular? 
Yeah, just uh, consider what you do online as, as being essentially in a public place, a public yeah. forum. Um, give uh, as much information as, as is required, but um, as little as you can get away with, so to speak. Yep, I agree. I agree. And the same thing that today is just think first think yeah. before you do anything. Um, and read everything carefully. So yes, read the fine print. Yes. Well, thank you again. It's been a pleasure. Likewise. For people who would like to get access to the blog and any of the websites we talked about, uh, you can go to gihanperera.com forward slash podcast. That's G-I-H-A-N-P-E-R-E-R-A dot com forward slash podcast. We'll be back in a couple of weeks.